we're going to work with, uh, uh, they're starting a ministry school in Tuscany. And the pastor that's, what? With pastors, yes, my love. Yes, I know. Thank you, Angel. I, you know, I got you. I would share the mic. We have a mic that when she talks, my mic doesn't work. We don't have no longer have that, but we used to have that system. So I uh, just want to share with you, we're going to go to Tuscany. I want to show you a couple videos. Uh, we're going to be doing this conference with uh, uh, Pastor Alejandro at this church in Belfast. Ireland hasn't seen a move of God in God knows how long. And so I told Sherry, uh, we're Alejandro's warm-up band. So we've been traveling with Alejandro because we're like the warm-up band, you know. And, uh, but we've seen amazing things happen. And in Tuscany, got invited, Sherry and I got invited to uh, work with this church this apostolic church uh, apostle who's wanting to start a supernatural ministry school in Tuscany. And the reason he chose Tuscany, he's working in Naples right now. I met him in Naples, and he's like, you are coming to Tuscany with me. I'm like, okay, am I? And uh, I'm like, so anyway, I'm like, Tuscany. It was a hard sell for Sherry. I'm like, I don't know, Tuscany. She's like, we're going. I'm like, all right, well, I guess. So well, we're, we're hopefully we're going to go and minister with some pastors because he wants to wants us to help them with some things. And then in the future, we're hopefully going to build a relationship with him. But his whole point with um, doing, doing Tuscany is because that's where the enlightenment began. That's where the age of man began. And so he's believing God that a move of the spirit will happen in Tuscany. And that from where God, where the devil started the enlightenment, if you don't know anything about the enlightenment, is where humanism and all of natural thought started coming out. Uh, you know, Tuscany was the birthplace of that. And so he's believing God to light a fire in Tuscany and that through Tuscany is going to re- begin to burn through all of Europe. God's doing great things in Europe. So anyway, I don't want to... Sp- yeah, I don't want to talk about that. I don't have a lot of time. Just one minute. Just one minute. One minute what? How did he get to, no, I don't want to share that. He's going to come. He'll be here in November. He'll talk, he'll talk your ear off. This guy will be here in November. Pastor Rodolfo will be here in November, and you can ask him any questions you want to ask him, and he'll, I'm sure he'll share with you the story. Where's he from? He's from Argentina. Anyway, next story. So moving on. This is why she can't sit in the front row. She cannot sit in the front row. She has to sit back there, and she's always signaling me from the back, and I'm like this. You can take your beautiful flowers. And your beautiful presence that I love so much. However, anyway, uh, we're gonna, I want to show you some videos. Anybody like want signs and wonders? Half of you? Anybody like miracles? Come on. Jesus is alive and well. So this is just a few of the videos that aggregated from, uh, oh, by the way, if you were on that team that went with us down to Argentina, Matt is going to be filming stories. I don't know where, I see Isabel, um, uh, Michael's here, somebody else, Diana, anyone that was on that team, Matt's going to put you on video to share some of the experiences that you had and some of the things that that, uh, went on down there. We could not get everything on camera because it was so much that was happening, but we saw amazing signs and wonders. One church we went to, Sherry said, I think every single person in that church got healed. Every single person. I told her, I said, I don't know if everyone, but I definitely thought 90%. It was amazing. It was incredible. So I wanted to share with you a couple videos. Of course, I'm in the videos, but, you know, hey, whatever. You know, it's all good. So put the first one up, Alex. Okay, hold it right there. So this dude, so this is a church that we were at in Buenos Aires. And in this church, we, you know, we, the team came forward. Nobody was coming forward. You know, they're kind of trickling forward. Like, I don't know what we're supposed to do. I'm not sure what we're supposed to do. And so this guy's sitting like out there in the crowd and I'm on the stage and it's like, he's highlighted, you know, there's like a halo on him and I point at him and I call him up on the stage. So the guy comes up on the stage. He has nerve damage down the side of his leg. He's a soccer player and he had an, he had an injury. So he, I don't know how many, how long it's been. 
been, but the doctors couldn't do anything for him. And so this is the setup for this. Go ahead, roll that one. It's only 90 seconds. Told him, do what you couldn't do. Come on. <laughs> After that, of course, the whole then the whole church gets up and comes forward. They're like, what? Come forward. All right, what's the next one? These are all 90 seconds. Okay. These are all short videos. Or we're cutting them for Instagram, the whole nine. So this lady, so the two you're going to see, this is really quick. It's only 40 seconds. This lady had lacerated tendons in her wrist, and she couldn't make a fist. So her hand was like this. She couldn't make a fist. And then the lady after her um, had rheumatoid arthritis. And so I get pretty excited about that one because I see a lot of rheumatoid arthritis healed. And so uh, there was a, the woman, so what's crazy is the woman that comes after this, you'll see her. The guy over here got shot with a gun. He got healed. And the woman behind her had rheumatoid arthritis too, and she got healed. We didn't get it on camera, but this lady couldn't make a fist. She had an she had injury to, to her tendon. So go ahead and roll it. Come on. This lady. I'm pretty excited. What's the next one, Alex? No. Anyway. Okay, so this is, this, this is Naples, all right? We were in Naples before this. Some of you have seen this video, but you know what? Jesus deserves the glory. So we're going to throw this in here. This, yeah, I, I don't have time to tell all of these stories while it's running. Well, I can't because this is a short video too. Guy you're going to see here, he injured his arm, his right arm. He couldn't use his arm for 30 years. 30 years he couldn't lift his right arm. His arm was like this. He couldn't lift his arm. He had a weightlifting injury. He had severe nerve damage, a lot of nerve damage healed. He had a severe nerve damage. He could been to the doctors. He'd been to three specialists. No one could help him. And the guy was just, you know, you know. So this is the aftermath. And then you're going to see a worship leader who had um, pain in his ear for four years. And he was taking pain meds and nothing happened. And so anyway, this is just a quick one too. So go ahead and roll this one. It's a guy with an injured arm. Couldn't use his arm for 30 years. Go. His right arm. See, look at that right arm. Come on.
you got healed. my wife wants me to share with you how many more miracles there were. We saw tumors, probably five or six tumors healed uh, um, and the neck, uh, a lot of thyroid healing. We had ears open, people with deaf ears open, crazy. Eyes healed, mental illnesses, tons of mental illnesses, man. You think America's crazy? Y'all got to get on a plane and go around the world. There's some crazies everywhere, man. People just tormented mentally and emotionally. For this reason, the Son of God was made known to destroy the works of the devil. Jesus went about doing good and healing all of those who were oppressed of the devil. And so we saw some, some, a lot of miracles. I'm going to put the tally video up another time. Sherry's reading a tally of all of the, the, uh, the, the healings that we saw on this trip. So what's the next one? Okay, hold it right here. All right, this lady. This lady, this is at the end of the night, right? So this lady, she has an injured arm. She can't lift her arm, right? She had injured her arm. She hadn't been able to work the whole thing. You'll see that. But what, what this, every time I'm praying for this woman, this went on for a while, and so I'm praying for this woman the whole time. This is what she's doing. No, no, nothing, no, no, nothing, nothing, no, no, no. I'm like looking at the interpreter. I'm like, if this woman says to me no one more time. Anyway, but uh, you'll see. Watch this. trying to find where her point of pain is. She had pain all the way up. I was trying to find out where the pain was and she had pain all the way up. Like, lady, you're gonna do something. You make me work, you're gonna jump. Let's go. Come on. So we, my wife wants me to let you know that we were in probably eight to 10 churches and the pastors in these churches had never seen anything like this before, ever, ever. 
I mean, Elevate shows up and we bring the house, man. We ain't building benches. Alejandro was freaking out. He's like, yeah, my, well, Alejandro travels the world. And he couldn't believe how, much, how, how many miracles this church sees. I know, my dear. I don't have time. I don't have time. You're getting a window into our relationship right here. Brian, take notes, okay? <laughs> Just see it. So we had pastors that didn't, hadn't seen anything like that in, 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 in their whole time. And, and the, five times as many healings. We had... Because we had a team, so the team amplifies the miracles. All of that is true. All of that is true. A couple of these churches were totally freaking out. Like they had never seen anything like this before. You, you know churches see one healing, and if they see one healing in 20 years, they're amazed. You know, Alejandro's asking me, he's like, wow, do you see a lot of miracles, Pastor Kevin? Do you think these, do you think these trips are in, in, enhancing your anointing? I'm like, we see this all the time, bro. You know, we see this all the time. And when we bring a team, it's, it's, it's all the more. I wish we could have bring a team to Tuscany. I wish we could bring a team to Belfast, but the trip happened really quick. I mean, we're going to be ministering to three, 400 people. I'm not praying for three, 400 people. You know what I'm saying? We need a team. So we're, that's another story. But a um, couple of pastors down there, Pastor Wilson uh, in, in Uruguay, that guy was amazing. He was, he was the national director of the Assemblies of God. And he said he's never seen anything like this in his life. He was like, he was letting us go all night long. He kept saying, I felt like that guy was gonna go get on a bus and bring more people. That's what I felt like. He was like, is there no one else to pray for? We pray, who was there? Isabel, you were there. Who else was there? Of course you were there, my love. You know, <laughs> Sherry was there, you know, but uh, you know, it was just really, really powerful stuff. And um, so once you guys know that, I'm gonna share, it connects to the message. There's a reason why I'm sharing all of this. And so, um, you know, we just had seen a lot of things. So this one's my favorite. Okay, just put it up and hold it. Okay, this girl, this video doesn't even do it justice, but thank God we got some of it on video. The girl, one girl had her, was born with a deformed arm. Her arm straightened out. Her, and we didn't get that on video. Leah, I don't know, Leah's here. Leah's like going, oh my gosh. Leah's freaking out. I, said, I told her, I said, I wish I had that on camera. But anyway, this girl, 85% blind. Say it with me, 85% blind. I took her eyes off, I asked her, her glasses off. I said, how far can you see? She said, I can only see this far. She said, that's as far as I can see. She's four years old. Doctors told her she would eventually go blind. The doctor said, you will go blind um, you know, very in, within a very short amount of time. Um, long story there, her glasses were probably three quarters of an inch thick. You'll see it. And when I prayed for her, and after, you know, it's took, I worked with this girl for about 40 minutes. This wasn't like, boom. You know, sometimes you have to work, and I knew I was going to work with her. I said, okay, I can feel God wants to do something. So I worked with her, and I worked with her, and after I laid my hands on her eyes, and I took my hands off her eyes, she looked at me, and she fell on me, and she just started weeping, you know? And I was like, what? I didn't, that's not on the video, but she was crying, and I, and I was like, are you okay? And she looked at me, and she said, I can see. And I'm like, you can see? And she said, I can see. And so I started telling her, show me what you can see in the room. And she starts pointing things out in the room. What you're going to see here, she's reading, the, she's going to read the jumbotron. She's reading the screen. And so watch the interpreter's face. So I'm over here showing the glasses to the pastor. I'm like, look at that. So go ahead, play it. He's like, wow.
Church, that church was a very generous church. That guy let us go all night too. The longer they let us minister, the more dramatic the miracles became. Some of the churches were like, you got 30 minutes. And I'm like, okay, well, Jesus, we're on a clock. You know, and the one in Uruguay, he let us go all night. And then this pastor, who was Pastor Rodolfo's son, the one we're going to Tuscany, this is his son's church. Um, that place, they had probably three, 400 people, and they were outside the building. They were literally outside the building. And like, we prayed all night. And uh, they were coming up at the end, and it was, it was pretty crazy. And the girl that got her, the woman that got her arm healed, the woman next to her, uh, we didn't get that one on video too. She had an injured back. She couldn't move. Then when we went to Salta, we saw amazing miracles in Salta too. And they're, you know, it's just, it's just amazing stuff, ladies and gentlemen. And it's an honor when God sends a church to the world. It's an honor. You shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, to Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the world. We're not just witnessing to Christians. We're witnessing to churches. So Elevate is witnessing to pastors who've been in ministry 30, 40 years, and they've never seen anything like this. So I want to encourage you with that. So you can speak next service. I'll bring you up, Cher, and I'll give you some time. So you can have at it and go for it. I know. What am I not doing? What am I not doing? Help me help you help me. All right, so I want to talk to you a little bit about visioneering <clears throat> this morning. So we want to, um, I want to share with you a, a 2025 vision. Uh, we've been working on a lot of things behind the scenes as to what we're going to do as a church and where we're going, what's just different aspects. So there's some changes that are, good changes that are in the making. So I want to share with you for the next 30 minutes about that. And I want to show you, um, give you the vision of this church. And then I want to show you some paths forward for everyone. So Matthew 16, verse 17, Jesus says to, to Peter, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And I say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Jesus looks at Peter and says, blessed. Peter, you're blessed. You're not smart enough to figure out who I am on your own, but you are sensitive enough to let heaven tell you. And so what Jesus is talking about here is that he builds his church. There's only one thing, Christian, in time and space that Jesus is building. He's not building businesses. He's not building marriages. He's not building individual lives. He's not building any of that. He's building his church. Ekklesia, ekkaleo. It means assembly of called out ones with a purpose. You see, the church just isn't an assembly of called out ones where we come to church on Sunday and go, oh, that's so amazing. Woo! Get a little pinwheel, little candy cane, you know, and go home and have a tingling good time and then go back to the ordinary. That's not what Jesus is interested in building, and that's not what he's partnering with. Jesus is building an ekkaleo, an assembly of called out ones who have a purpose. You understand? That's what God is doing. He said, upon this rock I will build my church. And it is through the church that God builds marriages. It is through the church that God builds careers. It is through the church that God builds businesses. It is through the church that God builds individual lives. But Jesus 
does not do it without the corporate body. And you say, well, I, I've experienced some of that. You're experiencing measure. Every Christian can have measure. When you come to Jesus, you all get measure. Fullness is a pursuit. There's a difference between being, having measure and having fullness. How many knows that? Right? You get a little bit of water, and then you get a whole gallon of water. There's a big difference. There's a difference between having a measure and having fullness. Everybody gets measure. And we think the measure is so good. This is so good. And all we have is measure. We don't even have fullness. God wants us to have fullness. And the way that we have fullness is we partner with what Jesus is doing. Jesus is not partnering with what you are doing. It's the biggest misnomer of the American church. This is what's taught Sunday after Sunday after Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. Is Jesus is about your best life now. That is not gospel. That is not kingdom at all. Yet, this is the narrative and this is the message that's propagated. God's not about your best life now. He's about your best life with him, in and through you. We seek his kingdom and things are added to us. In him we move, live, and have our being. It's not like, well, Jesus lives and moves and has his being through me. Wrong answer. It's the American Narsa gospel. We're narcissists and we preach a gospel that's narcissistic. It's about us, it's not about him. That's the wrong answer. It is absolutely about him, and it's not about you. You become when you engage him. Your destiny emerges when you align with him. This is how, the, this is how it's played, you understand? And so Jesus isn't over here, that's why we don't see power. We got Ferraris on the stage, but we don't got power. You got me? Hmm? We can, pastor can bungee cord off you know, from, from the rafters, woo, with a light show, be dazzled. I mean, you can look like a Taylor Swift concert, but we don't have power. We can't manifest kingdom. So somewhere along the line, there's a disconnect. Somewhere along the line. So we have to partner with what Jesus wants. The church is the assembly, and leadership must do its job. We are assembly of called out ones. What is the job? Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers. This is Ephesians. But you are fellow citizens and members of God's household, having been built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Jesus Christ, say it with me, Jesus Christ, the chief cornerstone, in whom the whole building is built together, growing into the temple of the Lord, that we are built together for a dwelling place for God's spirit. So what the Bible's telling us here is that everything must align with Jesus. Jesus is the cornerstone. So the church is to be built and it's to be aligned with the cornerstone. Any of you that are builders, if the corner's out of square, the whole building will be what? Out of square. You know, you put a door jam, and you put the door jam out of square, then the door's going to be out of square. Jesus is the cornerstone. Everything has to square with Jesus. It's not about personalities. It's not about doctrines. It's not about denominations. It's about Jesus. I got one. Thank you. It's not about personalities. I think the American church has got to wake up to the fact that this is not about personalities. I mean, we're fans of pastors. I get it. Pastors are great. They're amazing. You know, every pastor wants to be liked. But if the pastor's got the light on himself and that light is not coming from Jesus, there's a problem. Yeah? If it's all about building the brand of the pastor, there's a problem. It's not about the pastor. It's about Jesus. The pastor is the servant of the king. You got me? I mean, the American church especially has to do this. We're like a celebrity infatuated culture. 
Oh, I'm a fan of this guy, but I'm not a fan of him. Oh, that's ignorant. You know, we're like, so there's one rock star, his name's Jesus. One rock star. We must align with the Lord. So as believers, so we are called to partner with God's purpose. His purpose is the church. I tell people, I'm a pastor because Jesus is building a church. If Jesus was building buildings, I'd be building buildings. If Jesus was making cars, I'd be making cars. I want to do what Jesus is doing. I want to partner with what Jesus is doing. You got me? And so should you. And all of us, no matter what walk of life you're from, you have an opportunity through the corporate church to partner with the mission of God. The church is to align and teach Jesus. Matthew 28, Jesus said, go into all the world. All, say with me, all authority has been given to me. Now you, that's me, go. Got me? So here it is. Now all authority has been given to me. Now you therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you, and I'm with you always to the end of the age. First thing Jesus says is the church is supposed to be about power. It's the first thing he says, isn't it? Power and authority. So if we're not about power and authority, because that's the first thing Jesus says, the, the Great Commission, we're supposed to go into all the world. No, we're supposed to be about power and authority before we go into all the world. Jesus told him in Jerusalem to wait for what? Power. Don't do anything until you're endowed with the Holy Spirit, until you've received power. So the first thing is the church is to be about power, heaven's power on the earth. The purpose is to go into all the world, the cosmos. The church is to go global. We're to be local, but we're to be global as well. This is what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to make disciples. It says baptize them. What does this mean? It's more than the ritual of baptism. It means to immerse them in the culture of the kingdom. Not just dunk them in water. That's part of it, yeah. But this idea of baptism is immersion. Immerse them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Immerse them in the ways of the kingdom. Immerse them in the culture of the kingdom. Immerse them. He tells them to go into all the world. Say it with me. It's a commandment. It's not a suggestion. Jesus is like, hey, you know what would be a great idea? Since I died, rose again, I'm sending you the Holy Spirit, and I'm going to give you power and authority. You know it would be a good idea? Maybe if you guys feel like it, if it's not too inconvenient for you, maybe you guys could actually do something with this. You know, again, if, you, if, you, if, you're, not, if you're not too busy, if you're not too busy, maybe you could do that. He doesn't say it like that. Emphatic imperative. He says, go. He doesn't even ask us what our excuses are. What's your excuses? He didn't even give us that option. He says to go, okay, Lord, this is what you're telling me. Then you need to show me how to do this. You need to show me the way, all of that. Go and make disciples. And then he says his presence. So the church is to be about power. The church is to be about purpose. Go. We're supposed to have power and we're supposed to have a purpose. We're supposed to do something. And we're supposed to be about presence. Church is all about the presence. You really want to see the presence show up? Align with his power, align with his purpose. The Lord says, I'm with you always. I won't leave you. You go start doing that, I'm going to come all over that. And it's about perseverance. In other words, don't stop doing this until the end of the age. Power, purpose, presence, perseverance. That's the mandate upon not just the corporate church, but upon the believer's life. Power, purpose, presence, and perseverance. Ephesians 4 says, when Jesus ascended on high, he took captives and gave gifts to his people. So the, the, this is going to talk about the, the, the leadership of the church. 
the, the, God gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers to do what? To equip the people. That would be all of you. The role of the pastor, the role of the prophet, the role of the apostle, the role of the evangelist, and the role of the teacher is, is to equip the people to do the work of the ministry. What is the ministry? The ministry is to serve Jesus. Serve Jesus where? In your home. Serve Jesus in your community. Serve Jesus in your family. Serve Jesus in your business. Serve Jesus in your career. Serve Jesus with your money. Serve Jesus with your body. To equip the Christian to be in, to serve, that's what ministry means, to serve the Lord, right, in every sphere of life. Not just in the church, you know, not everybody's called to be pastors, but the church is called to equip people on how to do these things. You got me? Yeah? Somebody? Anybody? <laughs> yeah, come on. I got Shirley over there. So God wants all of us to be part of something greater than your life. Isn't that amazing? Come on. God calls you to be a part of something that's greater than you. What a gift. What a gift to be called to something greater than yourself. It's amazing. And this one of those words here, I'm not going to get into all five of them, but the one that always stands out to me is um, evangelist. The word evangelist doesn't just mean, hey, I'm going to go out there and tell people about Jesus. It's you and Gelion. It means herald. What this comes from uh, the Greek word when Alexander the Great would conquer a nation and he would conquer, and Alexander conquered a lot of nations, he would move on and he would send his evangelists into that country. And what the evangelist would do is the evangelist would teach them how to dress, how to talk. He would teach them what this new kingdom was all about. So evangelism is far more than just going out there and, and heralding people to come to Jesus. We herald the good news, but if you look in the context of where that word comes from, it looks like someone who builds the culture of the kingdom and brings the culture of the kingdom. They were very effective at this. If you look in the New Testament, they all spoke, the New Testament is written in Greek. Greek was the common language. How effective were these evangelists, Alexander's evangelists? Very effective. If you were to be a Roman officer, you had to be Greek, you had to be Greek educated or you, would stunt, you wouldn't go very high in, Roman, in the Roman army unless you were Greek educated. They had to be Greek, Greek taught. They had Greek universities, Greek language, New Testament's written in Greek. You see the Hellenists in the Bible, which were Jews who lived in the manner of the Greeks. They called them Hellenistic Jews. So they were very quick, very, very capable of doing this. And so they were equipped the people for the work of ministry, ministry and serving its purposes, serving God's purposes in the family, in your career, in business, in finances, and in the world. So this mission of the church and the purpose of the church in your life and what God intends to do for it is to equip you to serve Jesus in every sphere. That's the idea. You got me? Not just give you a rah-rah pat on the back and a see you next week. It's to equip you, to train you, to transform you, to shift your thinking. You should become a kingdom-influenced person when you come to church over a period of time. You shouldn't be like the culture. That shouldn't happen. It just shouldn't happen. If you're, if you're walking with Jesus and you're still acting like the culture, we, there's something, there's a disconnect here, right? There's a disconnect. We're to value the church. We're to connect to the church. We're to operate our lives as sons and daughters together. We're not strangers. What a great gift. You're no longer a stranger. How good is that? You're not an outcast. With Jesus, you're in with the in crowd. Come on. 
Your family don't want you. Your wife doesn't want you. Your husband doesn't want you. The dog doesn't want you. The cat doesn't want you. Jesus is like, come on down. I'll take you. Be a part of my family. Sons and daughters. He adopts us together. We're not only sons and daughters. We're citizens of his world. Right? Which means our rights come from his world. Our rights don't come from this world. Our rights come from his, this, his world. We have to learn to operate from that world and the supernatural. Is the supernatural greater than the natural? Yes, it is. So we have access to a superior reality. That reality is greater than this one. And what we need to do is we need to learn to do that. That's the whole idea of fishers of men. Jesus told them to pull the nets. We have to learn to pull from one world into another. That's the idea. We're not herders of cattle and cutters of trees. We're fishers of men. Why is he using that analogy? Because the mystery, the mysterion, is in the... If you're going to follow me, you're going to need to learn to pull from another world. You're going to need to outsource resources that you cannot see. That's the idea. This faith is supernatural. It's not natural. It works in natural ways. Yes, this is true. If we activate the principles of the kingdom, the natural will respond. But it is supernatural at its core. I was just talking to the Lord about this uh, this week. I was thinking about it. And I was like, 75% of the Bible is encounter-based. Say it with me. 75% of the Bible is encounter-based. Miraculous. So we, I was just thinking about this. I was meditating on it. And I felt like the Holy Spirit was asking me this question. I felt like he said, so if we're creating biblical churches and there's no supernatural, are they really biblical churches? If 75% of the Bible is supernatural, power, encounter, prophetic, transformative, if we're creating churches that are biblical, we're a biblical church. We're a biblical church. Next time somebody tells me that, and I hear guys tell me that all the time, well, we're a biblical church, pastor. I'm going to say, do you see kingdom and power? Do you? Because if you don't see kingdom and power and prophetic is not active and all these, these things are not, if there's not some measure of that in your church, you need to go back and ask yourself if we're actually a biblical church. Because 75% of the Bible's encounter. Come on, just a thought, just a thought. I'm Pastor Kevin, I'm your friend. I'm just thinking, right? Where there is no challenge, there is no change. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. And it says us that we work together, we're together. The church is a family. We're, say it with me, we're in it together. We're not alone. Again, how beautiful is that? Look around, Christian. Sons, daughters, families, brothers, sisters. Pastor John called it out. It's like, wow, this is like a family. And you know what I thought? That's awesome. That someone can come and understand that this church has operates, that there's family in this room. That there's genuine love one to the other. He can see that for, in two weeks, Right? He can experience that in two weeks. That's, that's awesome because that's what we're supposed to be. The church is to, come on. <laughs> the church is to build with Jesus. The church is to go. So Marcus, you might want to write this down. I didn't throw this at you yet. So um, I have a mission statement for the next two years. You guys want to hear it? Build. Come on. Build. Equip. And go. So let's go with Build. We're going to buy property in the next 18 to 24 months. This is our goal. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Did I say that right? Yes. <laughs> Did I say that right? Yeah, there you go. 
Fuego, come on, I got something going on here. <laughs> We're gonna buy property in the next 18 to 24 months. Our goal is to buy property and to establish a preschool. This is the beginning point. Why do we wanna do a preschool? Well, one word is called influence. Can I get a witness? And then we want to build another campus. We're not abandoning this one, but we want to expand. We want to grow. We want to do a preschool. Why? Have you, have you seen our schools? I mean, I don't know if you all get out much, but have you seen our schools? Number one, it's influence. We want to influence these kids. We're going to do a straight-up Christian preschool. We're not hiding it. We're not doing half secular, half Christian. It's all in Jesus. Moms and dads, you bring your kids here. They're going to worship in the morning. They're going to pray in the morning, and we're going to train your little four- and five-year-old to pray. Amen. This is what we want to do. And so from the preschool, we, our goal is to build influence with families. This is, again, it's part of our mission. And then also the preschool becomes a revenue model. It enables us to sustain it. This is the vision that God has given us, so this is what we want to do. We want to purchase property in the next two, 18 to 24 months, establish the preschool, and use the preschool as an engine of influence. And then from that engine of influence, we want to establish a building. So we have a building fund. Ready, ready? We're getting ready to start this. So I'm prepping, y'all. This is a primer. Shh, shh, prep, prepping the pump here, right? So we're looking, we're going to raise $500,000. And with this $500,000, some of you are like, wow, that's a lot of money. Others of you are like, what? That's nothing. Right? Amen. Five, amen. Come on, Joe. Joe's a banker, so he knows. That's nothing. You're like, $500,000? It's lunch money. Right? <laughs> I love that attitude, man. I love it. So we raise half a million dollars. We want a down payment, and we want to have operating capital. So throw up that big slide, Alex. You say, that's a lot of money. Well, let's look at it like this. If we have 200 people who get $500 a month for 24 months, that's $2,400,000. We don't need $2,400,000. It'd be great if we could get $2,400,000. Then we wouldn't even have to need, we probably wouldn't need the bank. If we have 200 people that give $300 a month for 24 months, that's a million four. What? If we have 200 people that give $200 a month for 24 months, that's $960,000. If we have 200 people that give $100,000, $100 a month, $100 a month for 24 months, that's $480,000. Do, do you understand the corporate power that exists within the church? There's corporate power here. And the corporate power is related. The church's power is in its net and its network. We do it together. And we believe that this is possible. Come on, say this. This is possible. This is possible. What are you going to do with your money anyway? You can't take it with you. That's not even interest. There you go. Come on. I'm going to get Rosie and Joe to do a financial presentation. You probably do it better than me. I'm just throwing it up there, you know. Come on. We can do something great for Jesus. We can be part of, some, of a legacy project. This is a legacy project. Imagine you influence kids like just what these orphanages, legacy project, changing lives over a lifetime. What in the world? What an opportunity and what a gift. So I want to throw up this other thing. This is a site plan. We were, we were trying to rent for a while. So we were trying to rent. We'd been negotiating with this. It's a long story. I don't want to say anything. I want to just let it be what it was. So we did a site plan for this proposed property that we were going to rent. This is not even two acres. So we did a site plan uh, uh, for two acres. We want to buy at least five. So this is a site plan. We had like a, 
500 square foot sanctuary over here. And then here you would see the module. This was going to be the preschool area. This was going to be the, um, the playground. And then, uh, you know, parking and green space and all that stuff. Can you say barbecue? So this was, um, this was not even, uh, this was, we worked with this, I don't even know what I should call them. We worked with these people for two and a half years. And the, the, the project kept, kept stopping, 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 stopping. Yes, no, yes, no, yes, no, back and forth. And then it just finally, it was just like, it just fell apart. <clears throat> and I believe part of the problem that it fell apart is because I didn't have a big enough perspective. I'm looking to rent, and I believe that God wanted us to buy. Yeah? So I wasn't looking in terms of, you know, commercial rent is just, very high or mortgages are high and so sometimes a lot of times God's will this is a message for some of you what God wants to do in your life is limited to your perspective you don't see big enough you're yeah you're only you're seeing like that girl she's only seeing here and when Jesus opens her eyes she can see her, she can see much more some of you need to pray that God would open your eyes with vision and God's not can't catalyze things in your life because your perspective is too small and that's me. I have to say that. You, know, you weren't seeing small enough. And I had a realtor grab me, and she's like, it's like, why would you do that and not buy? And I'm saying all this other stuff because I'm, you know, I'm explaining to her this is a fast way in. This is an acceleration. This is a step. We're going to use this as a step. We're going to do this. She's like, forget that step. It's like, forget that step. Yeah. She's like, take two years. And, but she's like, take two years. You've got a congregation. She's like, take two years and raise the money and buy your property. She's like, don't hand these people that money. <laughs> and it was shortly after that that this deal fell apart. So, all right, so I want to show you this is where we're going. So what I want you to do, Marcus is going to be running the, uh, the process, and Marcus is going to be running all this stuff. Joe, man, you probably should dial in and help him, man. You, we use all the help we're going to get. So we're going to do a designated account. We're going to give the money into that, so all that stuff happening um, don't want to get too much into that other than the fact that I want to prime you. I want you to pray and I want you to ask God what he would have you to do. I guarantee you it's not nothing. You know what I'm believing God for? I'm believing God to give 10% of it. You say you got 50 grand, Kevin? No, I don't. But I know Jesus does. I'm believing God that I'm going to give 50% or 10%. You know what I want to do? I want to give, I'll give all y'all. You know, maybe somebody has, can outgive me on that, and that'd be great. But I'm definitely going to push the envelope with my life. And you say, well, what if you can't get 50 grand? Well, what if I gave 25? Wouldn't that be great? You shoot for the moon, and you land in the stars. And so I'm believing God, and you need to believe God. You need to ask the Lord for a number. And I felt like he told me. You know, I'm thinking, ah, maybe I could. I'm thinking in percentages. I'm like, 3 or 4%. I could probably, you know, I'm thinking about all this stuff. And the, the Holy Spirit's like, dude, really? Really? You're going to go there? You're going to go there, Kevin? I'm like, well, what are you thinking? He's like, 10%, man. Let's go 10%. Come on. Come on, big boy. Put your pants on. Get out there. So I'm going to believe God for something that I don't have. When a goal is set in front of you, you're not capable of achieving it, or you already would have. When a goal is set in front of you, you don't have the confidence to achieve it either, or you already would have. So goals must stretch you with commitment and they must stretch you in a manner that surpasses your ability in the moment. I call that guy up on stage. You think, I, I, I mean, I knew something was going to happen. The whole, I got 400 people looking at me when I call that guy up on stage and I'm going to pray for him. Right? 
Try that one on. Hey, come on up here, man. Hey, what's going on? I got nerve damage down my leg. I can't move my leg. My leg's like, but I'm like, okay. Okay. Anybody got anything? <laughs> you have to stretch your faith. You have to go for it. You have to reach for it. If you want what you've never had, you must do what you've never done. You must believe God and push in a manner that you've never pushed before. Let's do this. Let's do this, man. I'm serious. Let's do this. Come on. And so this next thing I want to show you, and I'm just going to take maybe five minutes here. I'm going to be slightly over, but I want to show you this. So here's the second thing. So we want to build. I know. I just threw this up here this morning because I waste. We, we spare no expense to bring you the finest in visual aids here this morning. So at 730 this morning, I made this. Ooh, ah. You're like, dude, you need some graphic help. I know. Pray for me. I want to show you a growth path. This is something else that we're creating here at Elevate, and we're trying to make our growth path very clear and very distinct, and where we want you, we want you to see where you can go and what you can be a part of, you know, with Elevate, as God does these things. So I don't know if you can see this over here. So this is kind of level one. So this is church membership. Some of you, you, you attend here, but you're not really members here. You don't really feel like you belong here, or you haven't really taken the step to connect to be here. What does church membership look like? It looks like um, Discover, Elevate, coming and fi figuring out what we're all about, and then Foundations class. And in Foundations class, one of the aspects of that we discuss is membership and what it looks like to be a part of this family, and we commit to a purpose together. So we all come together, and we're like, this is our purpose. This is who we are. So we come together like that. So this is the first step. The second step we want you to do is we want you to join a life group or a service team. How many of you are in life groups? Anybody? Yeah, come on. Come on, come on, come on. Marcus just told me we had 28 people in foundations class. I said, how many we got in foundations? He's like, I'm like eight or nine. He's like, what? And I'm like, I was thinking, what, how many we have? He's like, 27. I'm like, 27? That's awesome. This is the first time we're doing this as a video class. So it's amazing. So, so we want you to get foundations. We want you to come to be a part of Discover Elevate. Know your questions. Join a life group. Life groups are essential because it's one to the other. It's ministry. It's family. Again, it's that connecting point where you're not alone. Hmm? Pastor Kevin can't always pray for you, but your life group can, right? You got me? This is the idea. Then we want you to join a service team. What's a service team? We have worship team. We have greeter team. We have uh, children's ministry. We have, I don't know, tech team. We have all kinds of like teams. If you want to know about the service teams, Shelly will help you out. She knows all about that. She runs that. Some of you, this is where you hover. You're going to want to stay right there. That's fine. Some of you are further back than that. And you say, nah, I just want to, you know, I just like coming here, dude. It's just really cool, man. I just like coming here every now and then. You know, I dip into churches. I like to dip in over here. I like to dip in over there. I like to dip. That's what I like to do. I like to dip. That's why the tea never gets strong, because you're a dipper. You're not a soaker. You're dipping all over town. I had a lady tell me, whenever I need a prophetic word, Pastor, this is the church I come to. Yeah, yeah. And I tell her, I see, you know, yeah, I'm sorry. But I told her, I said, you didn't realize what you're saying here? It means you can't get a word. You can't get any of that in it wherever you're going. You know, I mean, I'm like, do you understand? You know, like, like we're like an auxiliary to your life or something like that. So I was talking with a lady last week. This woman shows up, and she's like, I have a need. I have a need. I have a need. Pastor, you need to show, You need to talk to me. I have a need. I'd never seen this woman before in my life. And I'm like, okay, hold on. You know? And I'm like, how did you find her? She's like, oh, someone told me to come here, and this church will help me. And this church will help me. I said, okay, relax. I said, where do you go? She told me the church she goes to. I'm like, oh, okay. So they don't give you ministry over there? She's like, no. And I'm like this. And I'm talking to somebody who comes here every week. And so the person that I'm talking to that comes here every week says, it's okay. You can talk to her. I looked at her, and I said, you come here every week. I said, you're part of this family. I said, I don't know this person at all. 
And I said, so she can wait for me until I finish with you because you're the priority, she's not. Now, if she joins the family and she becomes a part of the family and she's all here and generally stuff, okay, sure, I'll, I'll talk to you, but I'm not gonna drop everything because you're having an emergency crisis and you walk in the door and I've never seen you before. You got me? This is the idea. We're a family, we do this together, that's what it's all about. So some of you are gonna hover here, that's fine. You're part of the church, you're part of the team, you're, you're, you're here. This is the next thing. If you wanna go higher, we have equipment. We can equip you. Church is called to equip the saints. What do we do? We do leadership training. Firestarters is coming up in October. We do School of the Prophetic 1 and 2. We do Healing and Deliverance School. We'll do a Healing and Evangelism School, and we'll do prayer training. We want to equip you. We want to equip you. Anybody want to be equipped? Okay, so we want to equip you. So this would be the second thing. I can't come up with a better name, Marcus, so maybe we're going to come up with a better name than this. So I call them Acts 29 teams. Because Acts chapter, the book of Acts stops in chapter 28. And so I believe that the book of Acts is still being written. So we are writing the book of Acts. So that's the idea. So if you come here, we go through training. We're going to create teams, prophetic teams, sozo teams, um, healing teams, different teams. So we want you to be a part of a ministry team. You can be a ministry service team here. This is ministry team here. Got me? Got me? And then from here... We're going to go global with the teams. What we want to do, this is the high vision, is that we want to train people up in our culture, in our philosophy. You understand? Elevate has a culture and Elevate has a philosophy. We do it a certain way. We don't do it like other churches. Other people going, well, I've been trained under so-and-so, and I've been trained under so-and-so, and I've been trained under this person, and I've been trained under this person. I'm like, I don't care who you're trained under. I really don't care. This is how we do it. And if you want to be a part of what we do, then you need to adapt to our culture and our philosophy. Yeah? I was an assistant pastor at a church one time, and that's what I did. I come from like a, you know, I was telling them all my, you know, pedigree stuff. This is years ago. And, um, you know, but because I came from something, I was taught in a certain way. Not, I'm not bragging. I'm just, I don't want to do that at all. But, the, um, but I went to them, and they're like, well, we don't care. <laughs> and so they put me through a two-year process. They're like, we don't care. It's great. Hallelujah. We don't care. But I was excited about it because I got to learn something new. I got to learn a different way of doing things. I got to learn a different philosophy, a different way of a different approach. So we have a specific philosophy of ministry. And we have a specific philosophy and approach of how we do things. And so that's why these schools are important because it teaches you the way we do it. It teaches you how we do it, and it teaches you how to do it. And then the team here, these teams we want to create into travel teams. Say it with me, travel teams. Uh-huh, uh-huh, yeah. And I believe God wants to train and equip this church not just to operate locally, but he wants to train and equip this church to operate globally. And I believe if we'll invest this and we'll create these teams, we can take these teams around the world, have an opportunity to do a Firestarter school in June next year in Germany. I'm probably going to hit this Belfast church up too because I'm going to see what, what goes on there. I don't know what, how it's going to happen. I've got to build a relationship. Uh, the guy in Tuscany definitely would let us do it. Um, so we have all these opportunities. So we have probably four or five trips a year. So doing this one, uh, there's a trip to the Middle East coming up. I'm not sure if we're committed to this yet, but in February, we'll be in Europe again next summer. We'll be in South America again next fall. I uh, was invited to teach an evangelism school of 700 evangelists in Buenos Aires. So the director, yeah, right? Come on. Dire yeah, but they're going to do a crusade, and they're going to bring people to Jesus. 
And that means people are going to come forward, and they're going to get prayed for, and they're going to get... That's, that's where the team comes in. You got me? And we want to train and equip people, and we want to run schools, and we want to help train these churches around the world. I just had lunch with a global evangelism director, global evangelism director for the whole country of Argentina. And I'm telling him, I'm like, man, you know, why don't you guys... I'm just giving him ideas. I'm like, why don't, why don't you guys, you know, do this? And uh, I said, what would it cost to do a three-day crusade here in Argentina? I said, how much would it cost? And uh, he said, 10 grand. I said, 10 grand to do three days here in Argentina? And I told him, I said, and I'm, and I'm like, I'm going to go on record. I said, Elevate will raise the money for the crusade. And then, uh, he's, then, he's, then they all started talking, and they're like, well, we think we can raise the money in all these different ways. So that kind of came off the table, you know, and, but I got them. You know, he started thinking like this. He said, why don't we do this? Why don't we run an evangelism training uh, next, next October, and why don't you and Alejandro come teach that school, and we'll take these 700 evangelists. We'll release them into the city, and we'll do a three-day crusade in the city of Argent in Buenos Aires. Right? Oh, come on. <laughs> Uruguay, we'd have that. That would definitely happen. You know, all of this stuff's going on. So we want to be able to do this. Anybody want to do that? Anyone at all? Yeah? Come on. You can do the easy ones. You can do, you can do the Europe. You can do the Europe tour. You can do the Tuscany, Germany, Czech Republic tour, right? You can do that one. You can do the Dubai. Uh, where, where, where's the other one? There's like three countries in the Middle East. Jordan. Invited to go to Jordan, work with Muslim women. What? Working it out. Who wants to do that? Oh, come on. <laughs> Islamic refugees. I know the time's over. I know. See, that's why I kept saying I don't have time. I don't have time. So here's the deal. 2025. So then what we're going to do is we want to create a new reality. This is the hero's journey. Say it with me. The hero's journey. I'm going to be real quick. Hero's journey. Anybody want a hero's journey? Anyone at all? The hero's journey begins when you leave your reality, when you leave the ordinary. Nothing heroic is going to happen until you leave the ordinary. So long as you're in the ordinary, nothing heroic is going to happen. You have to leave the ordinary and move towards the extraordinary. This is what we're inviting you to, right? This is a part of a process. This is a new reality for some people. We want you to leave the ordinary, and we want you to trust the process and trust the guidance. That's the hero's journey. So we leave the, we leave the ordinary. We start trusting a process, trusting a way forward, and then you're going to have to deal with adversity. This is where perseverance comes from. Most people cannot achieve anything heroic because life punches them in the face, and they go back to the ordinary. And they don't persevere through the difficulties into the extraordinary because it's far easier to be ordinary. Because everybody's ordinary. It's easier to be ordinary. So we want you to take the journey. We want to take the journey together. We want to get here. And you say, what's going to happen when you get here? Well, I don't know. This is the vision I have, and I believe, so I'm looking for a double bell curve. Some of you know these bell curves. Joe should be well acquainted with bell curves. The bell curve is when something goes up, and then it hits this. And when it hits the top, it has the potential to go down or it has the potential to go up again. And we're believing God that we're going to create this bell curve. We're going to hit this point, and then God's going to create a whole other reality for us. Are you with me? Yeah. Do you want to leave the ordinary? Yeah. Anybody want to leave the ordinary? Come on, let's go. All right, I got to pray. I got to close. Already over. Over time, over time, over time. just want to bless you. just want to give you something today. So Father, I just thank you for this church. I thank you for these people. I thank you for the passion. I thank you for the hearts, Lord. 
I thank you for their desire and their commitment here. And we thank you, Holy Spirit, for the mandates and the ordinations and the directions that you are giving to us. This is not birth of the earth, Lord. This is birth of you. We thank you for these open doors and these open opportunities and these glorious opportunities throughout the world. What an honor, Lord. What an honor. What a higher calling. What a higher calling than, than where we are. God, it was so beautiful. You call what is not as though it were. You call us into what we are long before we get there. We don't look like that, but you're calling us there. And so, Father, we want to honor that commitment. We want to honor that mandate. And, Lord, I bless these people. Holy Spirit, that you'd already begin to speak and move into their lives as it comes to the building fund, Lord, as it comes to where we're going together as a church, as it comes to, Lord, what you want to do with this church consistently and locally. And so we give you the glory for that. We give you the honor for that. And we praise you. And all of our online community, too, we want to let you know that you can be part of this process as well. So we want to bless you. If you want to be a part of that process, hit us up at email, elevatemiamichurch at gmail. You should know the drill by now. And then let me bless you, and we're going to dismiss. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine down upon you. And may the Lord be gracious to you in every way. And may he give you peace in Jesus' name. Amen. God loves you. We love you. Have a great week. we got a prayer team available. If you need prayer.